Let's pray. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, um, we praise you, Lord, for being in our midst. We praise you, Lord, for the truth um, that we find in your word um, and, and that you invite us to follow. So we pray, God, as we um, deal with some more difficult things today, um, we pray, God, uh, that you would help us to follow, to truly know and understand your will and your way, that we may follow and live in the way of Jesus. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning to you all. It's good to be back from Florida, and bittersweet, of course. Um, 85 and humid here feels just peachy compared to what it was in Florida. So um, it was quite a whirlwind. We had a fun week of VBS. Before we left on vacation, um, we had almost 100 kids here this year for vacation Bible school. And then our basement flooded. So the sermon that I was going to write last week before I went on vacation is one that got pieced together during vacation. Because of that, it is very long. So, hold on. No, but, but in all seriousness, uh, there's a lot of things to tend to in our topic today. Um, this series is one about following Jesus, right? The way of Jesus, and we want to take the good things that we know to be true about Jesus and implement those into our actions, into our lives, holistically. We want to live out our beliefs. And so we're going to be talking about that week in and week out this summer. And a couple of things that we've talked about in the last two weeks. <coughs> Excuse me. First, we made a case about Jesus' life and his work and his divinity, and then we talked about what it means to be a disciple, what it means to follow Jesus. And last week we talked about the gospel and how good the good news actually is for us. And that's going to be good news for us today, too, as we look at many of the things that demand our attention that aren't Jesus. And I hope that through these things so far, you've seen a strong case materialize for making your life more in line with Jesus. Now, we know that that happens through the work of the Holy Spirit in us, but I believe that God is continually inviting us to follow, to lay down our own desires, to lay down our own understandings of things, so that we may become more and more like Jesus and be restored to this relationship to God in all areas of our lives. And I hope that we've made a case for his authenticity and his trustworthiness. The one who created us knows what is best. And for his gospel that changes lives, the gospel that isn't just an intellectual ascent, it is transformative. Every piece, every fiber in our bodies can be affected in a good way by the gospel of Jesus Christ. The more we grow in it, the more our lives will look differently. And so today, along the lines of discipleship, um, which we've been defining as we go here, Today we're talking about all of these other things and influences, not all of them, because we don't have all day, right, or all year. We're talking about some of the main things that want us to be their disciple, maybe ideologies, maybe people. Um, and I need to put a disclaimer on this today, because this is a harder sermon to preach for me. Um, I may mention some things that you are passionate about and warn about those things becoming Lord of your life rather than Jesus. Uh, so know that many of these things that are on this list today that we're going to cover more broadly, maybe more specifically, know that they're things that I have and do sometimes struggle with too. So I'm not up here. This is your weekly reminder that your pastor is human. Um, I, I struggle with some of these things too because it is very easy to be led astray. And know that I'm not calling out any individuals for any particular belief or passion that you may have. But I am hoping that through this message, 
we'll be honest with ourselves, measured up to Jesus and his gospel and the scriptures that God has given to us to understand his heart and his role for us. And that we'd be willing to look in the mirror as individuals, as families, as a culture, and see how easy it is to be led astray from following Jesus. Because it's easy, right? Yeah. And this is why this is, it's so important for churches to have this conversation, I think. We are all led astray. We, we don't get a pass from that. We don't follow Jesus and magically get teleported into the new heaven and new earth. Part, part of our reality is that, yes, but we live in the same world. Until Jesus returns, there are realities that we face every day. And we would not appreciate God's grace had we never known the depth of our sin, right? And so we must name the things that demand our attention and our allegiance that aren't Jesus. We need to name those things. And we can also recognize that some of these things that are going to come up today actually can be engaged with in a healthy way as followers of Jesus. But those things are never to become the Lord of our lives. We were made to have Jesus as Lord of our life. Some of these things are not bad. Some of them are. But some of them aren't. And when we let anything other than Jesus be the Lord of our lives, we've been led astray. So that's kind of the preface. That's the point. That's the disclaimer for this morning. Uh, so I apologize to Brad for giving you some really downer text this morning to read. Um, Minecraft, Steve. Minecraft Steve, yep, that's your takeaway. <laughs> but, but these texts are here to warn the church then and today about some very real challenges that we face. Paul is writing to the church of Rome. We're going to look at our Romans text here first. Um, and this is part of his introduction to this letter that contains so much of the wonderful doctrine that we profess as followers of Jesus Christ. Paul lays out in this letter of Rome really the fundamentals of Christianity and what recognizing Jesus as Lord and Savior really means and the implications that it has for our lives. And in this text, he warns of God's wrath, he warns of ungodliness and the evil that is suppressing the truth. Suppressing the gospel, yes, but also the tendency for humanity to stray from the truth and maybe even intentionally mislead people away from the truth. So I'm going to pick up in verse 21 and zero in on that here for a second. For although they, talking about the godless and wicked humanity, although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools, and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Now he's talking about idol worship here, right? If you look through the pages of the Old Testament, there is a lot of idol worship. And we may not be crafting golden calves today, but there's still a lot of idol worship in our culture. How foolish it is, he says, to worship a created thing rather than the creator who gives us the breath of life. Verse 24, therefore God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and worshipped and served the creator, the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. So we have this warning here uh, to the reader to understand that we will undoubtedly and assuredly face temptation to worship things that are not God. And oftentimes, that might even appear to be wise. It might appear to be wisdom. 
but eternally in the lens of the truth of the gospel, it's foolish to worship anything other than God. It's futile. And so this is today where we want to be honest, and we want to name some of these top influencers in our culture that demand our attention, that lead us astray, things that want us to follow them instead of Jesus. And so the first thing I want to talk about here today is, is kind of the underpinning to everything. It's the fact that there are spiritual forces opposed to Jesus. Um, we maybe don't talk about this a ton in the Lutheran Church. I think we could do it a little bit more. That there is this battle of good and evil happening, and much of it that we do not see. Uh, the scriptures are clear that there is an evil, a demonic influence here on this earth. This is not a battle of flesh and blood, the scriptures tell us. God actually has an enemy that isn't a human. God has an enemy. And this spiritual reality influences and affects all of the other things we're going to talk about today. And here's why. The enemy of God, the, the devil, Satan, any force that defies God, that sets itself up in opposition to God and his truth, the enemy of God wants to lead you away and astray from God. It's that simple. And the scriptures are clear on this. And they're clear on the fact that this enemy does not want what is best for you. And the enemy will try to get us to give time and allegiance to anything other than Jesus. And this is one of those crazy things, right? Um, the enemy doesn't care if we follow him or not. The enemy just doesn't want us to follow Jesus. So there's Jesus, there's the enemy, and, and the enemy is going to be happy if we follow any of the millions and millions of things that we can choose to follow other than Jesus. So you don't have to be a Satanist to be in opposition to God. You don't have to be consulting with demons to be in opposition to God. You can re really set your life, uh, life up on anything other than Jesus Christ. So that's one of our realities here. And sometimes this astray, this, this sort of evil underpinning to all of this, sometimes it's just the reality of our own sin and brokenness. And often through very subtle and gradual undermining of God's truth and calling in our lives. Most of the ways that the church has been led astray over the hundreds and hundreds of years since Jesus' time on earth has been very subtle and has been very gradual. And so we need to be aware and we need to know and we need to live life as if there is an actual evil force opposed to God's will and work on this earth, which the scriptures tell us there is. So um, that, that, that's good and that's bad for us to talk about. It's bad because nobody wants to hear that, right? But it's good because we know that our battle truly is against that evil. Uh, the other people uh, that, who are not following Jesus today that are still made in God's image, who God loves, those are not our enemies. Those are not our enemies. And part of understanding this is understanding where we put our, um, our time and our resources and our energy in following Jesus. It's not in making other humans our enemies. So, the first thing is the spiritual force is opposed to God, opposed to Jesus. The second is this. One of the main things that drives our culture is money, greed, and comfort, right? Money, greed, and comfort. I group those together because those kind of represent the modern understanding of the American dream. Now, I get that the American dream for many two-plus generations ago... Uh, and, and for some today, it's about freedom and starting a new and a better life for yourself. And I believe that there's still very much some truth to that, to the American dream. 
But culturally, how this tends to be playing out in my generation and in the younger generation, this idea has morphed into a dream of affluence and more. And what I think it boils down to is the ability to buy or do whatever you want whenever you want to. That's what people view as freedom today. This is a dream that we can easily get sucked into, really easily. And it promises comfort, and it promises economic stability, but it does so in the eyes of the world, and not in the eyes of Jesus Christ. So this is a pitfall of our culture, right? And I think it's been a pitfall of Rome, and Babylon before that, and every culture uh, that sort of rises to the position that we're in today in any country, this, this is a human problem. This isn't just a, an American problem, okay? <coughs> so here is what following Jesus here looks like, okay? So first I have the list, and then I needed to add in some positive things, right? Like I should have added in a positive scripture for Brad earlier. Um, so here is what following Jesus looks like in the area of money and comfort. It means that our lives are free from the love of money. Not free from having it, but free from loving it and putting our trust in it. Money becomes a tool of provision and a way to sow seeds of blessing into the world in Jesus' name. And it means that Jesus is our hope, Jesus is our comfort, not the size of our bank account. I'd be lying if I didn't say man, I fall into this trap, right? As a father, raising kids, worrying about inflation, man, it's hard. But Jesus is my hope and comfort. It means that Jesus takes that Lord position in our area of finances. And it means that we don't want to lust after things that will simply just feed the greed in our hearts and feed the greed that we see in the culture around us. And there's a word for this, it's called contentment. How many of you have mastered contentment? Good, no hands. Good, we're honest this morning. Hebrews 13, 5 through 6 says this. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? So on this point this morning, I urge you, follow Jesus. Let Jesus be your hope and comfort, not money or greed or artificial security through the eyes of the world. Jesus, the person of Jesus. So the first thing was the spiritual forces. The second thing was money, greed, and comfort. And the third that we're naming today is power and politics structures in the world that we live in. Now, there's some generalities to this, and there's some specifics to this. In general, politics and our political system is this idea that uh, there'd be this competition to amass conformity to a certain idea or agenda or platform. And by aligning wholly with this platform or that platform or this party or that party, we undoubtedly take on beliefs and systems that directly conflict with the scriptures and God's will. And so just as a reminder to you this morning, there is no political party in our country or any country that perfectly embodies Jesus Christ. There isn't one. And so we need to be careful as followers of Jesus uh, and know that there are political leaders and parties and systems. The system itself wants our attention and our devotion. 
And there are plenty of people in this arena that think that following them or their ideas is more important than us following Jesus. Let's, let's measure our world's obsession with power against our First Timothy scripture this morning. And a few phrases from First Timothy. Lovers of self, thinking of only your benefit. Lovers of money, selfishness. Boastful, proud of where we stand, this sort of political power ladder that people try to climb up in our culture. This one really struck out. Abusive, ungrateful, unforgiving towards anyone with a different view. Um, isn't that, doesn't that describe our polarized political system in our country right now? There are people that literally can't be in the same room as someone if they find out they're in the other political party. That is a tremendous brokenness in our culture. And then having a form of godliness but denying its power. I think that's talking about this facade that people put on so that over here they're this person and over here they're this person so that everyone will like them and follow them and give them their allegiance. <coughs> and this passage says to have nothing to do with such people. Now, I don't think that means we don't want to speak the gospel and truth to them. I think that means we're not going to give them our devotion. We're not going to give them our devotion. Now let me remind you what I said earlier. A Christian can, and in many cases should be involved in the civic arena, in the political and power systems of this world, especially if we ever hope for those broken systems to change. If we want to see things happen that honor and glorify God, that's one area where we can engage. Now imagine if the tens of millions of followers of Jesus in this country were more active and engaged, how much different might the country look? It might look different. It's not everyone's call to take an active life in this, but it certainly could be some. And sometimes we section ourselves off from that, but in doing so, sometimes we miss an opportunity to influence culture for the good. And so I want you to keep in that, mind, that in mind here too. But this, this overall, this system of politics and, and buying votes and power and numbers, it is the antithesis, it is the opposite of Jesus. Jesus does not coerce you to follow him. Jesus does not make promises to you that he doesn't intend to keep. Jesus does not go behind your back. He doesn't say one thing here and do another thing here. With Jesus, the morality and the righteousness of God, it is a fixed thing. It is truth, and it does not sway with public opinion. And this, friends, is why it's so important for us to have our devotion to Jesus first rather than the inefficient and incomplete and broken political and power systems of this world. So for the Christian, this is how it looks different. This is how we follow Jesus in a world that values this, uh, this power structure and influence. We remember the words of Philippians 3, 20 and 21. It says this, But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Friends, our citizenship is in heaven. That's our address, first and foremost. And that, for the follower of Jesus, it is our primary foundational reality. And it trumps everything in our imperfect worldly system that isn't Jesus or isn't of God. And so we cannot blindly follow any worldly system because it will lead us astray. 
So for the follower of Jesus, we will gladly allow the Holy Spirit to influence us in this area, to mold and to form our passions, our political values, our beliefs, and our understanding of truth. We want to allow the Holy Spirit to to take that on in our lives in a way that makes our lives more consistent with the person of Jesus, more consistent with the truth of Scripture. So I urge you, in face of this reality of our world, live as citizens of heaven. Remember your foundation as a follower of Jesus. The fourth thing we're going to touch on here, not as in-depth, it's entertainment. Entertainment is worshipped in our culture, right? Very much so. Entertainment is worshipped. And often, uh, much of the the swathes and the tides and the currents of culture, those changes subtly come through entertainment and what we consume. We're talking about sports. We're talking about celebrity culture. We're talking about hero worship. And again, some of these things are fine and good, but they often change us, and and some of these things create like a cult-like following, even amongst people in the church. A couple weeks ago, Pastor Kurt talked about being a fan. Uh, We don't just want to be fans of Jesus like we're fans of something else. We want to be followers of Jesus. Jesus asks us to follow him and to do the things that he does. And so as a disciple, it is very easy to spend more time and resources on our favorite sports, on our favorite team. It's easier to spend more time and resources on our favorite music or musician or politician or whoever than it is to nurture our understanding of what it means to follow Jesus. So I urge you to be mindful of the entertainment that you consume. How is it molding and shaping you? and to remember who it is that we are called to follow and orient our lives around. The last thing that we're going to touch on, which is, again, just a prominent thing in our culture, and in probably any culture, going back to Babylon and before, right? It is what our culture does with sex and sexuality. Culture says to do whatever feels good. You are your own master, it says. And technology now gives us access to anything and everything that we would ever want to look at or consider on a whim, in the palm of our hand. And this has a huge negative impact on our culture. I hope we all realize that. Not just the younger people in our culture. Everybody is negatively affected by this. There is a reason that there are thousands of pornography websites and explicit movies. They keep making money. People keep consuming them because there are so many disciples of that stuff. And those people that make those and that profit off of them, they don't care one bit about your faith. They want your money. They want your allegiance. They don't care about your health or your morality. If they did, they wouldn't be doing it in the first place. We live in a culture like every culture and society before us that has completely thrown out God's way of sex and sexuality in favor of our own desires, and this is nothing short of sin. And this is, I think, everywhere in our culture today. It's everywhere. And all of that system doesn't care a bit about what God thinks. It just wants you to follow it. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 6, starting in verse 18, it says, Flee from sexual immorality. 
All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their body. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. The reality is that as followers of Jesus, by grace through faith, when we believe in Jesus Christ, he owns us. We become his temple through the Holy Spirit. And one of the biggest lies that is told is that when we give in to this, this lust and this sin and the areas of sexuality, that it only affects us. And that is not true. The truth is that it negatively affects us. It negatively affects us. And that affects our relationship with God and the Holy Spirit. It makes it less clear what God is saying to us makes it harder for the Holy Spirit to work in us and through us. And it affects those who love us and care about us. Every single one of us, regardless of what we think we know and understand about the holiness of God in the area of sexuality, I think we all need to completely surrender our understanding and our worldview of that to God so he can bring life and healing. Because this isn't just an outside of the church problem. This is an all of culture and inside the church problem too. And I think God is calling us to be humble and to truly allow Jesus to transform us and to transform this culture from the inside out. So I urge you, do not be a disciple of sexual desires or lust. Be a disciple of Jesus who died on the cross to save you from that. All of these are heavy things, and man, this could have been a lot longer of a sermon. But I'm rounding the home stretch here. Because the list could go on and on, right? really could. I think most of what we struggle with in our culture falls under one of those categories that we talked about this morning. And there's this overarching solution. How do we avoid falling into these traps? How do we avoid getting led astray? How do we keep ourselves from knowingly or unknowingly shifting our course or path so that we're following someone or something else? How do we prevent that? The author of Hebrews gives us a great answer to that question, the other text I should have given Brad this morning. He says this in Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat on the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him, Jesus, who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary or lose heart. So there's two phrases here that address all of these discipleship issues we've talked today. The first is this, we fix our eyes on Jesus. Whatever you want to be a disciple of, fix your eyes on it. Fix your eyes on money, and it's, you're going to grow to follow that. Fix your eyes on the news, and you're going to become a disciple of the news. Fix your eyes on politics, and you're going to become a disciple of politics. But if you fix your eyes on Jesus, your Savior, you will become more and more a follower of Jesus. And it is possible to be grounded in Jesus and engage with the news or politics or to be financially solid, but Jesus is the foundation. Jesus demands the devotion of our eyes 
fix our eyes on Jesus. And then the second phrase from this Hebrews passage that sticks out is this in verse 3. Consider him, consider Jesus, who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. When we fix our eyes on Jesus and consider what he has already paid for, what he has already taken on, what he is already freeing us and has freed us from and wants to free us from in the future, this will help us to not grow weary, to not lose heart. How many of you have lost heart at some point in the last three years? Man, maybe in the pandemic, maybe it's with inflation right now. Maybe as a Christian who sees the world spiraling out of control and so unstable, maybe as a parent or a grandparent who fears for the lives of your kids or grandkids. Hebrews tells us that Jesus faced this world and all of its ugliness head on and let us consider him and his grace and his life and his love and his goodness and allow that to sustain us. And this is going to keep us from losing heart and losing hope. And yes, we're going to be weary sometimes, but not in a defeated way a temporary weariness. Friends, being a disciple of Jesus is what we were made for. It's where it's at. And scriptures warn us that if we become followers of any of these other things, we're going to be disappointed. We're going to be let down. Or we're going to become so rewired and miswired in our brains and our minds that we're no longer going to recognize the truth of Jesus. And friends, in the face of that, I urge you to fix your eyes on Jesus. And we're going to keep unpacking what that means in the coming weeks. So, a few questions I want you to think about today, and I wish I had a handout for you. I don't. Um, but I'm going to read these questions and just give, give a few seconds pause after each one. The first one is this. Where in your life do you think you've been following some things or some people that aren't Jesus? Where do you see evidence of that in your lives? The next one is this. What does how you spend your time say about who and what you are following? How do you spend your time? The third one is this. Similarly, what does how you spend your money say about who and what you are following? And the last one for this morning is this. What does your media or entertainment consumption say about who or what you are following? I think all of these questions speak to very specific ways that we build on our lives on things that aren't Jesus. And I want you to reflect on those and see where you're at. And be honest with yourself. Be honest with the Lord. And ask, ask for some wisdom and discernment as you think about those things. The, the Christian church in this country, us included, we need to do some serious self-examination here. And it starts with each of us as individuals and as our families at home. It's not something that I or this church can do for you. But it's something that God invites you to dig into. Who or what are we following, friends? Let that answer always be Jesus. I urge you to follow Jesus. Let's pray. God, you, um, you make it in some ways so simple, Lord, that we fix our eyes on Jesus, but we know that living that out and that playing out is not easy. There are so many things, Lord, that distract us, that demand our attention. And so, Lord, we pray this morning... Um, for a few things. First, that you would protect our hearts and our minds. You would guard them in Christ Jesus. 
And Lord, we pray that you would give us discerning hearts and minds so that we would know and see and be able to name where it is in our lives um, we have been led astray, that we are being led astray, or maybe even just tendencies that we have to be led astray as we look back through our lives. Lord, we ask that you would help us um, to grow in those areas. We ask, we invite your grace and your Holy Spirit to come work. And Lord, um, one of the primary reasons that we follow you, that we want to follow you, is to live an incredible life that you have for us. And it's to invite other people into your fold through the good news and the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, that's where we meet you today, at the feet of the cross, knowing that in all of these areas where we struggle and fall short, you have taken that on yourself and made a way for us to find grace and forgiveness through Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray all of this, and we ask for your help and your guidance in Jesus' name. Amen.